0: In Hebrews chapter six, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me there, Hebrews chapter six, and if you don't mind standing in the honor of reading of God's word today. Verses 19 and 20 says this. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope, it says. We have a hope in something that is anchored for our soul. That's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. And I want to preach to you today from the title. Are you drifting? Are you drifting? Ask your neighbor, say, are you drifting? Ask the one you didn't really want to ask first, but because you know they might be a little bit drifting, go ahead and ask them, are you drifting? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for every single person in this room. God, we thank you for everything you've done in our lives and what you've done up until this point, but God, what you're going to continue to do. God, no matter what we're facing today, I pray, Lord, that we would be able to lay it at your feet. God, you're worthy to be praised. So God, I pray today that my words would not be my words, but it would be yours. That your word would cut through, just like it says that it's sharper than any two-edged sword cut through our perspective, cut through our mentalities, cut through our own beliefs, down to the core of your foundation of your word into our heart. So God, speak to us today. Thank you for telling us like it is. Thank you for having your word that is a light unto our path. So God, we pray, Lord, today we would experience you and we would encounter you like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Anybody in here like, um, like riding in boats? Anybody? Anybody like riding in a boat? Anybody here own a boat? If you own a boat, raise your hand. I want to talk to you after service. Um, anybody ever here like, like, like you, you, you've been on a boat? Anybody ever been on a boat? How many have not been on a boat? Raise your hand. If you've never been on a boat, you're not living. Anybody ever stole a boat? Raise your hand. Almost got you. Somebody was like, "Yo!" Oh! nobody knew about that one. But I remember this one time a few years ago. It was me and my wife, Kendall, and we had our, our one year old son at the time. He was close to being one years old. And I had this, we had this great idea that we were wanting to go out on this boat on, on Lake Travis. And um, I, I grew up my, most of my teenage life. I've, I've been tubing, I've been wakeboarding. I was pretty familiar with the boat. Uh, I, I know how to operate a boat for the most part. I'm not a beginner. I have a little bit of an experience with it. But this one day, we decided to go out, and, and the waves were a little bit bigger that day. The wind was kind of blowing that day, and it was really extremely hot. It was like hundred, over 100 degrees, 105 degrees, something crazy in this Texas heat. And of course, when you're in the water, it doesn't always feel still much cooler. Um, it's almost like a magnifying glass, just hot on your skin. So we, we're out there this one day. We're on this boat, and we're enjoying the breeze. We're enjoying this ride, and... We get to a place where we're like, hey, why don't, we, why don't we just take a swim for a minute? Let's take a dip, you know. We wanted to get our kid out in all this floating device, you know, in the wavy water. It was a really great idea. And um, so we got out, and we were swimming around for a little while. And as we were swimming, I, I, the boat just kept drifting, okay? I get out of the water, and we're swimming, and I'm like, oh, crap. We're about to, like, run into this other boat. So, like, I get in, you know, I'm like moving it over, and we, we stop it, and I get back. I do this about three times, and then it, it dawns on me. I didn't drop the anchor. Like, duh, I'm gonna keep drifting if I don't let down the anchor. So, so I pull out the anchor. First, I had to find it. I'm like, Dad, where'd you put the dang anchor? You know, I pull it out. Finally, I find it. I throw the anchor in the water. You know, it takes a few tries. I'm trying to finally, boom, I got it hooked on something. And I'm like, great. We, we finally get settled in a position. We get back out and uh, we start having the swim and all that kind of stuff. Well, then, then we get ready to leave. And I begin to, you know, pack everything up, and we're getting back into the boat. And all of a sudden, I go over to the anchor. I'm like, all right, time to pull the anchor. And then I go to pull, and it's like, <clears throat> all right. My wife's watching me. My kid's watching me. All these people out here watching me. And I'm, I'm pulling on this anchor. I'm pulling it with everything in me. Like, I couldn't work out at Planet Fitness, y'all, because I'd be having that lunk alarm all the time. It'd be like, ah! I've never even been to Planet Fitness. And that's why. So I'm pulling on this thing. I'm jerking on this rope. I'm everything. I I got so desperate. I even decided, you know, heck, no, I'm going to get this boat. I'm going to turn it on and I'm going to just pull it with the boat. Like I'm going to get this anchor out. So I'm like, and I'm pulling and I'm not going anywhere. Like the anchor is not coming loose. And I'm telling you, all I'm flooring this thing and I'm pulling. I'm starting to notice in my peripheral vision. You know, if you've ever been to Lake Travis, there's these little Boathouses with the other boats for like the docks for those homes. You know, when they come down, they have the little private little boat. I begin to notice like a whole section of them are starting to move, and I'm like, "That's odd." But I try to get my anchor out, right? So I'm like, "That's it. Must be the wind." Here I go again, woo, pulling it, and I could not get this thing to break loose. And I begin to realize. I was hung up on the tension cord that was holding all of those boating things. And there was nothing I could do. This thing was not going to come loose. I had been hooked in no matter what I did, no matter how hard I pulled, no matter how desperate I got, it would not let go. We weren't going anywhere. As I began to read, this book in Hebrews and rereading this passage, I want to provide you with some context on what's actually happening here. This writer is writing to the people, the Jewish people, trying to encourage them in a letter. By and by the time that we get to chapter six, we see the writer getting a little bit more candid, talking to the listeners on what they ought to do. Now, understand now the people of Hebrews, these were Jewish people who had proclaimed their faith in Jesus. And when they did, their entire life changed. And we need to know this story because it's a little dramatic. It's a little little intense on what took place because these ancient Jewish believers, they professed Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And because of their, their faith, because of their making this decision, their whole life, relationally, even socially, completely changed. There is history that records that even tells us that many of these Jewish believers, they were immediately rejected by their entire family tree because of their faith in Jesus. Many were rejected by their parents. In some cases, they were rejected by their own siblings, friends, even their spouses. Many lost their jobs. They lost their their businesses, all because. They made a decision to follow Jesus. So by the time we get to this part in Hebrews, the writer is saying them to he's it's the writer who is inspired by Jesus. And he writes to them because there are two kinds of people of these Jewish believers that he's trying to write to and he's trying to address. First, he's trying to write to a group that's saying this is just too hard. It's too much. I'm beginning to give up. On Jesus, these these Jewish believers, they were moments away from throwing in the towel. They'd given up on everything to follow Jesus, and now they're reaching a point where they're saying, this is just too much. It's too much. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I feel so alone sometimes. And then the second group of people that he begins writing to and he's trying to to encourage is the people who said, I believe in Jesus like Jesus. Like, I want to follow Jesus, but, you know, I'm just going to add a little bit of Jesus to my life so I can still keep these relationships. I, I, I want I want Jesus, but I really don't want to have to change my whole life. So I'm just going to sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus in my life. So sounds familiar. So the writer of Hebrews inspired by the Holy Spirit has two primary objectives for this letter. One, he's, he's wanting to tell the readers, the first group of people, to tell these listeners in this letter, don't give up on Jesus. That's his encouragement. Don't give up on Jesus. And two, the second objective is to write to the other people to say that Jesus is enough. Like, you don't have to take away. You don't have to add anything. He is enough all in himself. Like, you don't need to just sprinkle him. You need all of him. He is enough. Let me tell you, if you've ever felt like giving up, if you've ever felt like this is just too much, then you need to read the letter in Hebrews. You need to read about the people who we are actually connected through our faith with. And you need to see the things that they experienced, the things that they had to go through because of their faith in Jesus. We don't really understand that here in America. So we get to this point in Hebrews where it says that there is an anchor for the soul. And I want you to know that, by the way, it's a very relative metaphor, because in that time and in that day, their thoughts, their perspectives, their cultural experiences were all based around these believers who would have been in boats and anchors and robes. ropes. So it's a very familiar metaphor for these ancient times. So the writer is saying that that Jesus is like an anchor. But what he's trying to get them to understand is that the anchor that he is is the anchor that is anchoring the inside you. Where the turmoil is. Where the anxiousness is. Where the chaos is going on. Where true or perceived to be true, the stuff that you're dealing with on the inside. What this passage is telling us is that there is an anchor for it. There is something that we can hold on to that won't let go. Do You know what an anchor is good for? Like, Obviously, if you've ever been in a boat like my story, you would have understood that that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anchor is good. An anchor is what keeps you from drifting due to the current. It keeps you from from drifting due to the wind and, and the waves and, and anything that might be moving the waters. It helps keep you steady. It helps keep you planted. It helps keep you from running into things and going into places that could hurt you or harm you or even take And cost you your life. It will hold you in position. And if you don't have an anchor. You got to understand. There's no possible way. For you to stay steady. Or stabilized. If you don't have an anchor. And in a world that we're living in today. Where there's so much being thrown at us. So much wind and waves. So much crashing. Going on where. Where where truth is being altered. Where where identity and who God made you to be is being taken away and added to, where delusions that it's this black and brown versus white battle that we're really against is saying, where scriptural and and foundational principles are being changed to the lifestyle that we want to live to accommodate our convenience is being done. In a day where we if we stand up for your country or you say something that's scriptural, it's seen as a political stance. All this stuff is going on. And let me just say this. This is why our values as a church are Jesus is our message, because we will preach the message of Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. His message is enough. And just because you don't like it, don't mean it ain't true. Just because it doesn't fit into your convenience doesn't mean it ain't true. The gospel is the greatest message ever told. There's nothing greater. And we are here as a church to preach to people and point people to Jesus. Jesus is our message, always will be. This is why people are our heart, because no matter your background, no matter your skin color, no matter what you look like, no matter what you believe, no matter what you did last night. If you are a living, breathing human in society, you matter to us and you matter to God and you are welcome here no matter. And because we love people, we will speak the truth. Because the truth is what will set you free. It's not my job to set you free. That's not my job. It's not my job. I didn't put that on the job description. But it is my job to point you to the truth. It's my job to point you to God's word. God's principles. The foundational, scriptural, and defining ways to live your life to find freedom. To find a hope, to find your purpose, to to identify and find your identity and who God says you are so you can live your life to the fullest extent that Jesus came and laid down his life for you to live. So people are our heart. This is also why our value is that his church is what we build. We are here to build what Jesus came to establish. That is the church. There is no plan B. I want you to understand that. This is God's plan A, all eggs in one basket. And the the church is the body of Christ. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about you. You are the church. And we're going to build God's church. That means we're going to push you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to challenge you. We're going to say, hey, hey, that's what this said. Hey, are you here? It's what this said. And we want to build you up. We want to ignite you. We want to empower you. We want to fill you. We want to strengthen you. Because life, when it hits you, when it's ahead, you'll have something to be anchored to. So we're going to build you up. So you can pursue everything that God has for you. When you identify and can find what God created you on this earth to do, it's your job to use that to continue to build God's church. It's not just for you. Your calling's not for you. Your purpose is not for your own selfish gain. Your purpose is not for what you want to do in life. Your purpose is to build God's church above all else. The gifting God gave you, it's not for you. You think the thing that you think you're really, really good at, it's not for you. The thing that you can like, you like the Kobe Bryant of the NBA and that thing, it's not for you. It's for the church. So, we can edify and build each other up. And when you understand that once you get saved, once you accept Jesus, you have to understand that the church no longer exists for you. Wow, that's a riveting thought because guess what? You become the church and now you exist for the world. You don't exist no more. It it changes. You enroll in an army. That's what this says. I'm not saying my words. What am I doing? Jesus is our message. He said this. He came. He said, I came to serve, not be served. So we're we're not waiting on a move of God. Because we are the move of God. He he established us. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He has ignited you. He has empowered you to go out and make disciples of all nations. Go out and preach the gospel. Go out and use the gift that God gave you and live your life according to this word to build his church, to love people, to share the message of Jesus. His church is what we build. So if you are the boat and Jesus is the anchor, then no matter what the world may throw at you, No matter what hard times may come, no matter what news you get, no matter what challenge you face, no matter what papers you may get served, no matter what situation may arise, no matter how frustrated someone may make you, when the winds are blowing and the water is raging, if Jesus is your anchor, you're not going anywhere and he will not let go. Our soul needs something that it can be anchored to. It's got to have an anchor. It needs something that's sustainable, something that's transcendent. And I love what it says. It says we have this sure and steadfast anchor, meaning it will never fail. It is sure. It is steadfast. It will endure any wind. It will endure any storm. It is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So the question I have for you today is, what is the anchor for your soul? Like on a daily basis, what is that thing that you go to in your mind that says like, I'm gonna be all right because blank. Like what's that thing that you go to? Like, like, I'm going to be all right because, you know, I got money in the bank. I'm going to be okay because I got money. We went to a place just the other day. We tried to pay cash or something. Sorry, we don't take cash. And I'm like, it ain't worth nothing. What, what's that thing you go to, though? Like, like, like I'm going to be all right because I got my degree. I'm going to be all right because, you know, you know I, I I did all that schooling. I'm going to be all right because I got all my friends. What is the thing that you go to when things get rough? What is the thing you go to when, when times hits you so hard and storms are raging against you? Does your soul have an anchor? And although all these things may be good and grand, it's great to have money it's, if you're using it for a tool. It's great to have a degree so you can have an education to use it for good for God. And it, it's great to have friends and people in life. But those things are great. But the truth is, they're not going to sustain you. As much as you think they might, They won't. Well, I'll be all right because I got my career. Great. But let me tell you, your career doesn't have a soul. Your career doesn't have arms that it can wrap around you and say, I'll always be here for you. Because the truth is, it won't. Because someone else is going to come along. It's going to be better than you. It's going to be faster than you. It's going to be smarter than you. And they're going to take your place. And the thing you anchored in, you now lost and all your identity is thrown out the window. Well, I'll be all right because I got my girl by my side. She's my rock. She got my back. She's been through everything with me. She'll never leave me. Great, but guess what? Her soul is just as broken as yours. And before long, the person you thought was your rock will be like a rock in the ocean. It's going to take you down it can't sustain you this logic that 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 these things are going to be able to be an anchor for our soul is going to fall flat on its face and yet we see it happen but yet we run to them again we we see that that it won't sustain going out and going to the club and getting drunk every night and waking up the next morning won't sustain you because guess what the problem comes back it comes back, but yet you run to it again, and you run to it again. That, that person that you keep thinking makes you feel like you have love, and it feels like it's anchoring your soul. Guess what? They ain't doing it for your love, and yet you run to them, and you get broken, and you run to them, and you get broken, and you run to them, and you get broken again. So you just find another person, and then you just find another person, and let me tell you, there is no person that's going to be an anchor that will sustain you other than Jesus. None of them will sustain you. Me and my wife, we've talked about this many, many times. And, and like, I want to be everything I can to her as a husband and as a, as a wife, she wants to be everything she can to me. But the, here's the thing. I'm not all she needs. As romantic as that sounds, I'm not. I can't. Because I can't fulfill all her needs. I can fulfill the needs that God set in our marriage to fulfill But there's a place that only he can fulfill. I can't invade that space. So to think so to think that when you get married or when you find that person that man, I'm gonna find my other half, it's a delusion. It's a delusion because when you say, it's funny, we get up there, I did a wedding last night, and, and it was so fun. I get up there and I ask the question, do you take him to be your husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health? Do you say, I do, and they're like, <laughs> I do. Do you take her to be your wife, to have and to hold, to love and to cherish, for sickness and in health, richer and for poor, until death you do part? (laughs) I do. And what you don't realize is you're signing a blank check to an I do that you don't even know yet. And you think that I do is enough, but it's not enough. Jesus is the only anchor that is enough. In the world you're living in, Jesus is the only anchor. He holds you in place. They can't sustain you. No politician can sustain you. No government authority can can sustain you. No career, no degree, no. it don't matter what you sign in front of your name, it's not going to sustain you because you can't identify yourself with that. You can only identify yourself with what Jesus says you are. That's it. I don't care if you're Mr. Mrs., Dr. PhD, of the ordained pastor, of the reverend minister, of the whatever, it don't matter because he says you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are an heir of the Most High God. You are a son and you are a daughter. That's who he says you are. You are of my kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. He is your anchor. And you notice. I noticed one thing when reading the Bible that, that Jesus does in situations when they would arrive with his disciples. If you ever read scripture of the New Testament, you'll, you'll find that oftentimes when the disciples would face something, Jesus would just leave them there. He just let them be. You're like, what do you mean? Jesus doesn't always save us from the storm? No, but he'll be the anchor for us through the storm. Do you mean he won't just make this thing go away? He could. But what would you learn from it? So you mean to tell me that Jesus, because I've been praying real hard, that he won't make that rude person at work just disappear. That he won't make like that, that difficult situation that I found myself in again just go away. That he won't make the things that I messed up with my poor decisions go back to normal. Probably not. But let me tell you, he'll be right there with you in it. And he will bring you peace, and he will bring you joy, and he will bring you comfort, and he will bring you wisdom, and he will show you what to do in the storm. Another thing that I've also learned about the anchor is you can't always see the anchor that's holding you. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I love what David says Psalms 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's a story in scripture, Matthew, where the disciples are in a boat and they're out on the sea and the storms are raging, the water is crashing. It's almost as if this boat's about to sink and it's about to take over. And the disciples are freaking out. They're running around, they're they're getting water out of the boat, they're doing all the crazy things and they they come to realize Jesus, he's in the boat with them but he's in the hole of the boat and he's asleep. Like Jesus is asleep during the storm. Like the boat's rocking. The waves are crashing, and Jesus, how can you be asleep? And that's when they came down. Jesus, like, do you not see what's going on? They're freaking out. The boat's about to go under, and he gets up, and he's like, ye have little faith. And he goes, peace be still. Did you forget who's in the boat with you? So let me ask you. Why don't you ask your neighbor today? Did you forget who's in the boat with you? Don't forget. Don't forget who's in the boat with you. Don't forget who you anchored yourself to. Tell the other ones like don't forget. But you got to say it with the grit like 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 you just ate a box of sand. Like don't forget. Cuz sometimes we got to be yelled at. We so stubborn and hard-headed. I've been telling my son this for the last 8 years. Like when you going to get it through your thick skull? That's the lesson for another time. I'm flashbacks to this morning. To finish the boat story for the people that have been worried, what the heck did you do? They hadn't heard another word of my sermon this whole time because they've been like, he didn't finish the story. He just went on to the scripture and then he stopped. he had been freaking out this whole time. I finally got so mad. I got so fed up and frustrated. And looked like a fool. Felt so defeated that I just said, screw this. I went and grabbed a a knife, and I cut the anchor. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I ain't doing this no more, and I just gave up, and I just broke it loose. I was like, we'll buy another one. Whatever. Sorry, Dad. I don't think I ever bought another anchor, but that's what a dad's for. I didn't buy another anchor. I thought about that just now. I didn't buy another anchor. (laughs) you got another anchor we've been in the boat we don't even know if we got an anchor oh Lord Jesus this has ruined my whole illustration but here's the thing I had to make a choice to cut the rope I had to choose to lose the anchor the anchor wasn't letting go the anchor was holding steady When I planted it, it was unmovable. It was immovable. And as I remember this story, it made me think, I wonder how many of of you here today, you don't have a sustainable anchor. You don't have it. You tried it in other things. You tried it in your own way. You tried it with a person, a career, a substance, and a thing, and nothing has, it's all left you void. It's all left you wandering and drifting. Are you drifting today? Maybe you haven't allowed Jesus to be that anchor for you. Maybe you haven't made the decision to to tie on to the anchor that is the greatest thing for your soul, and his name is Jesus, and to put it into the ground and be planted and immovable. Because your soul is going to face some hard things, and you're going to need him as your anchor to hold you sure and steadfast. Or maybe... You're like me in this scenario where life got so hard and you were trying to go away and you were trying to do your own thing and you were trying to, it was time to leave and it wasn't, God said, no, I want to hold you here for a minute and you got so frustrated, you got so fed up that maybe you cut the rope. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've realized, now I tried these other things and it's time that I get that anchor back. Well, guess what? Jesus is here and he's waiting to be that anchor for you. That if you've cut the rope, guess what? He can give you a new one. And you can tie onto his immovable anchor. And he can set your soul in the right place. The broken self, the hurt self, the self that feels shame and guilt, he can hold you steady and he can bring you peace and joy and hope like you've never felt because that person won't do it for you. They can write the sweetest card, but there's no card that's greater than this card because his words carry weight because he laid down his life for it. So maybe you're here today and maybe you've never allowed him to be your anchor. Maybe you've never accepted him as Lord and savior of your life. Or maybe today you've cut the rope and you know you need to tie one back. With every eye closed, in this room, and online from the other side of a screen. If you're here today, and you've come to the realization that you're in need of Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity here in just a second to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible tells us in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he came and he, he died on a cross for you, he bled for you, he was given 39 lashes on his back, That he bore your punishment on a cross with nails in his hand. And he shed his blood so that you could have life. So you could be forgiven of the mistakes you've made. So that the shame you feel will no longer be shame. So you can hold steady to the anchor for your soul. Because one day that soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. And it might as well be with Jesus. Not in the alternative. Maybe you, 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 you've you walked away, though. Jesus is calling you back today. And if that's you, Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth today, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, it says that you will be saved. Because three days later, he got out of that grave. And he did it, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave in the process, so that way you could live. And if that's you this morning, Wherever you are, wherever you're at in life, wherever you may be in what city or state from the other side of a screen, wherever you are watching this, months later after watching cat videos and you stumble onto this sermon, if that's you today and you want to accept Jesus as the anchor for your soul, as savior of your life, as the Messiah who came as a reigning king, I'm going to give you the opportunity to accept him today. With every eye closed, every head bowed in this room. When I count down from three, if you want to accept him today, I just want you to shoot your hand up so I know who I'm praying with. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or do anything other than I just want to know who I'm praying with today. If that's you, three, two, one. Just lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. I see it, I see it, I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them high, lift them high. I see those hands. Just keep lifting them up. On, on the other side of the screen, just lift them up. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them high. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let this moment pass you by. I see you all the way at the top. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down, and I want us together to pray this prayer. It's a simple prayer, but it's a prayer of faith and belief in Jesus to be saved today. Let's say this together with your ears being able to hear you say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me and three days later, rising from the grave. Today I ask that you forgive me of all my sin. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Come on, church, why don't we celebrate with every single person who just made a decision. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Heaven is rejoicing, come on.